0: Hi and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonholm and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, I'm very excited today to be preaching. And uh, I'm going to be preaching from Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read the first five verses there. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you go ahead and open that up. And uh, if we haven't met, my name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here and absolutely love what God's doing in our church. And uh, as I said, a huge privilege to preach this morning. So let's, let's read from Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and it says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I'm very excited to preach a word this morning titled, The Favor of God. So if you're taking notes, why don't you write that down and we're going to pray and ask God to really bless us today. So God, we just thank you so much for your grace, for your favour, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, that when we open up the Scriptures that we can see you can see more clearly than we have before God and that as we get to know you God our lives are transformed so today God help us to see you clearly reveal yourself to us speak to us God we open our hearts up to you and ask you just to do what you do in your mighty name we pray amen amen Amen. now I did mention I think last time I spoke that Milani and I are coming up on 10 years being married next week right wow and uh, yeah, our wedding anniversary is coming up. Ten years, pretty amazing. And I do have to say, and take a moment just to honour a couple in the house tonight, and that's uh, someone I've learned a lot about marriage from, which is my parents over here. And uh, <laughs> mum and dad had 40 years uh, anniversary this week, and so honour you and uh, well done on reaching 40 incredible years. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. I can, I can distinctly remember. See, when I started dating Milani, I was, I was goners. I was cooked. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm in. I love this girl. Like, uh, this, is, this is me, right? But I remember going on this journey of like, you know, when do you actually take that step to ask the question? You know what I'm talking about? The engagement step. Now, there's a bunch of young men, maybe some people dating here, take some notes. Um, I remember just not feeling like it was time yet, not feeling like it was time yet. And then I remember distinctly the moment when all of a sudden, it just like a penny dropped in my heart, and I was like, it's time. I was in bed one night, and it was like, you know, um, just before I went to bed, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, it's time. And so instead of sleeping, I got up, and I started to do a budget. <laughs> first, thing, first thing I did was a budget, because any, you know, good young man knows that if you're going to ask someone to marry, you've got to make sure things are in order, you've got to buy the ring, am I Right. And so I started to think about what is the realistic timeline for this to happen? Because now I'm ready. Now I need to just work out what I need to do. And I worked out, you know, what date we might be able to to see things happen and worked our way back to like, all right, now I need to save up for a ring. Very, very special thing when getting engaged. Now for Milani, uh, I actually got this beautiful ruby, right, surrounded by diamonds uh, and, and made it into a ring. I had a friend who was a jeweler and she helped me out, which was amazing. And uh, this ruby is incredible, and, and precious stones are amazing because they have all of these like facets on them that reflect the light. And these, these uh, precious stones, when they come out of the ground, don't quite look like they do when they end up in an engagement ring. But I remember going on this journey of looking for precious stones, things that reflected light, things that carried with it the brilliance of of light uh, for for this precious stone, which was to be in the engagement ring for Melania and I. And, you know, we just read a scripture here from uh, the book of Romans, which is written by a man called Paul. He was an apostle. If you don't know much about the Bible, this man called Paul is a big part of, of the early church and he was used by God to really start um, you know, establishing churches uh, around and about the place that would carry the Holy Spirit to all the world. And Paul's really responsible for a lot of our Christian theology. And you know, it wouldn't be too, long, uh, too big a, uh, a statement to make that after Jesus, Paul is probably the most influential person on the modern world because Christian theology has been shaped by so much of his writing. Now, Paul has this amazing ability to encapsulate the gospel message, the most incredible message in history into like a sentence or a couple of sentences. And this verse we just read here at the beginning of Romans chapter five is an example of that. The first two verses pretty much encapsulate what the story is. Let me read it to you again. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Do you know these sentences are peppered throughout Paul's writings and the majority of the New Testament books are written by Paul. And we see sentence after sentence where he encapsulates the gospel message and he shares it with a community or shares it with an individual and he takes this massive, amazing, mysterious uh, message of the gospel and brings it into a a way and, and a form that can be received by the person hearing it. But what's amazing is that with Paul, having spent so much time articulating the message he never uses the same sentence twice he doesn't just find a great you know articulation of the gospel and then parrot it everywhere he goes we see him whether he's speaking to Titus in Titus chapter 3 one of the most amazing passages of scripture which explains that while we you know were, were, were broken and in need he came and the gospel message is presented Or in Corinthians, something as as sharp and as simple as, he who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. We see verse after verse and passage after passage of Paul explaining this Gospel message and he knows it so well. But it is not simply a paragraph to be said. It is far more than that for Paul. You see, for Paul, he realised that the Gospel isn't just a paragraph. The Gospel... Is a person. The gospel isn't just something to be understood. The gospel is not just a formula to be followed, but a person to introduce. You know, when I introduce Milani to somebody that I know, or vice versa, she introduces me to someone she knows. You know, pretty much every time you do that, you will say something a little bit different, but it is always introducing the same person. And it is consistent, but not uniform. It faithfully presents and uh, and brings an introduction of a person while always understanding that the ultimate goal of this moment is to create a connection. So there is an understanding that depending on who I'm talking to will help me understand how do I best communicate the person of Jesus. I'm trying to make a real connection between the person I'm introducing and the person I'm introducing them to. Do you know, this isn't just true of Paul, but of throughout the Scripture, throughout the New Testament in particular, you can see clearly uh, all of the disciples and all of those that are sharing the message of Jesus. They're introducing the same person, but they're sharing it differently. And it is consistent, but it is not identical. You see, Stephen, he stands up before a bunch of Jewish people and he shares about Jesus Christ just before he is martyred. And he goes through the whole story of Jesus, uh, the Messiah, and how you know, the, the, the nation of Israel has been gifted this Messiah. And he shares Jesus in a way that the Jewish person would understand. And then Peter gets called to Cornelius' house, this Roman centurion, and, and basically shares this message to a bunch of Romans in a way that they can understand. You got Philip, the, the, the evangelist. He gets called to speak to a, uh, you know, a, an Ethiopian uh, treasurer. And as he's talking to him, he uses the very place that, the, that this treasurer was at. He uses that to share the message. The message is always the same thing. Jesus, the woman at the well. If you remember the story there in John chapter four, the story of the woman at the well is Jesus has an encounter with this woman. And then it says she leaves the the pot that she was getting water with and runs into the town. And she says to everyone, come and meet the man who told me everything about my life. And she brought the whole city out to Jesus and many were saved. No longer because of her testimony, the Bible says, but because they saw Jesus for themselves. You know, sharing the gospel isn't just about a five-point process. It's about introducing someone to Jesus. Jesus helping them see Him for who He truly is. It's always consistent, but never identical. And these first two verses, they're brilliant like that. They actually summarise the Gospel so brilliantly. Let me read them again real quick. Then I'm going to break it down. The first two verses say this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. This is where it begins. You know, I love this verse so much because this verse, you can quickly read through it, but it is so much richer than we realise. You know, for example, this verse reveals this progressive unfolding of the Gospel in a person's life. It begins with this moment of faith where a believer chooses to say, yes, I believe and accept Jesus for who He is. And we are justified by faith And the Bible says that we have peace with God, that there is nothing separating us from God. There is no no debt. There is nothing owed to God. We are right with God. And I know for some people in this room, when you think about God, you feel like there is a massive block between you and Him because of maybe the things you've done wrong or the past life you've lived or the decisions you've made or the, the, the... the things that you consider to be failures in your life. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you are a person of faith, that you have been justified by your faith and you have been made right with God. You're at peace with God. God loves you. You're His son. You're His daughter. There is nothing standing between you and God. But to not have a debt owed to someone doesn't naturally or necessarily mean that there is a relationship there. I I don't owe anything to the King of Spain, yet I don't know him. (laughs) The truth is, there's nothing really maybe stopping me from a debt perspective from knowing Him. I'm not an enemy of His. But just because I have no debt does not mean I know Him. But there is more to this message than just, you have peace with God. The message goes on to say, your justification through faith gives you peace with God. But it goes on to say that I have access to God. Through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which I now stand. You know, this word access is interesting um, because sometimes I think it, it, you know, when we read that, we think it's one of those things that's available to us. <laughs> it's a possibility that there's an open door if I want to walk through that. But the challenge is for some people, you know, for you it might be, I just feel like I'm not right with God. I've got this wall of brokenness and error in my life. God could never love me. Well, I'm here to tell you that he does. And that through Jesus Christ and through your faith in Him that you've been made right with Him. Not only that, you've been given access. But sometimes we can think about that access as something that is optional. If we choose to go through there, I could. But depending on what we believe about the person that the access is to will determine whether or not we choose to walk through that door. See, if we think God's angry with us, We think he's upset with us or he's there to harm us in some way or maybe we have a misunderstanding of of what it means to be right with God. We can find ourselves shying away from him. The access is given to us, but we choose, or you know what, I, I I I'm nervous about this. We don't think we're worthy. Maybe for you it's like, you know, to be forgiven is enough. I I I'm not worthy. Well, you've got to understand there is more to this word access and this idea of access than simply an open door that is, that is a possibility for you to go to. Do you know what this idea of access in this Scripture actually means? Is an introduction. An introduction to be brought to someone or something. It's amazing. It's not just that there's a possibility of access if you need it but it is the, the idea of you've been given an introduction, an introduction that you have been brought to something or someone. This is actually really important for us to grasp because what is it, first of all, we should ask that we're introduced to? Well, the scripture goes on to say that we are introduced to this grace in which we now stand. Don't you imagine this for a second? Jesus, when he did what he did, not only made you right with God, but then took you and walked with you into this place of His grace, of this favour, of this undeserved life with God. And when Jesus introduced you to the Father and the Holy Spirit, and you actually experienced the presence of God in your life, it is not something that we go to for a moment and run away from. No, you are welcomed in and said, this is now your home. The Bible says that, it, that we are introduced to this grace in which we now stand. Yes. Not visit, yes. not attend to occasionally, but you now stand in this place. My wife and I and our family, we recently moved house from Carimba to a unit in Cronulla. So we have a new address. If I was to go back to my old house, I would find other people living there and I would not be welcome. It's no longer where I live. I have been relocated to a new place. And that's what happens when somebody meets Jesus and receives Him. They are made right with God, but not only that, they've given access, but not only access in the sense of coming and going, but a new place to live, right standing in the presence of God. This favour that we are given. You know, one commentator as I was reading this described this idea of access as being that friendly relation with God whereby we are acceptable to Him and have assurance that He is favourably favourably disposed towards us. i read that. I'm like, man, what a great way to put it. A belief and an understanding when you're in God's presence that He wants you there. That He's glad you're there. That He did what He did so that you could be there. And when you come, you don't come, you know, grovelling and and afraid. You come as a son or as a daughter into a place that you've been welcomed. In fact, in a place that you've been introduced, into a place that you have been brought and you stand in that grace, in that favour. So what is the favour of God? If we've been brought into this grace and we experience the favour of God, what is the favour of God? Is it perfect circumstances? Does that what it mean when it it says that we come into the favour of God, that now everything is going to work out perfectly around me. Well, I think anyone that's been around for long enough, and you know, maybe you're new to this, and you're like, "That's what I need. I need my circumstances to change." Well, you know what? God has the power to change circumstances, absolutely. But what you will find as you walk with Him, He does something far more profound than just changes circumstances. And it's not just favor of God isn't just circumstantial change. We can tell that because even Paul himself, you know, you read one Corinthians eleven. And he literally lists all of his hardships and all of his suffering and all of the challenges that he has experienced while spreading the gospel. So we, we can't conclude that the favour of God is that everything around me works out and, it, and is easy. And that the circumstances around me are in order. Well, maybe if it's not the circumstances around me, maybe it's p- material possessions that all of a sudden I start to see the blessing of God rock up in my life and all of those things that I've wanted now become mine. But Jesus himself said that life, does not exist in the abundance of possessions. He's not interested in just giving you more stuff or you know, ch- changing you know, your material situation. He can and He does bless us in that way, but that is not the essence of the favour of God. The favour of God is His presence in our life and the fullness of life that He brings. That's what the favour of God, the favour of God is your location, that I stand in grace. That I am with God through it all. That no matter what comes my way, I no longer go through it alone, but I go through it with Him. I don't visit Him for strength and then go out on my own. No, I go with Him through it all. As this whole, you know, a passage of Scripture concludes, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He's been poured. His love has been poured into our heart with the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is with you and He is with me wherever we go. You know, the life that He promises us, this favour that He promises us and the experience of life with this favour that He promises us exists not only in the absence of challenge, but even in the midst of our suffering. So because of this, check this out, even our suffering becomes a point in which we can glory. Verse 3 says, not only so, talking about the justification and being made right with God and having peace with Him and having access with Him through Jesus, It says not only so, but also we glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, God is so good that when he comes into a person's life, he transforms everything. He even transforms your suffering. That which was meant to destroy you will be used by God to bless you. God works all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. This is the gift of the gospel, the presence of God Himself in the midst of life. Our suffering now becomes a vehicle through which God's faithfulness is revealed to us. Every experience in life for a believer, whether desirable or undesirable, is an opportunity to know Him more. You know, we don't, we don't know, and many of us do know here, but we don't know God as a saviour until we are saved. But once you come into that faith and that belief in Jesus and you experience His presence, you realise, thank God that He came. You see him now as a saviour because you have been saved. You don't see God as a provider until you have need. (laughs) Now, none of us want need. But it is because of need that we get to see a facet of God's goodness and his glory revealed to us as he provides for our every need. You don't see God or know God in the most intimate way as a comforter until you have been through deep grief. But in the midst of that deep grief, you sense the comfort of the Holy Spirit, embrace you and hold you and allow you to fall apart in His arms and slowly, gently, in a a beautiful way, bring you back to a place of life and hope. You don't know God the healer until you need healing. Each experience endured because of His presence is like the process that we experience uh, of transformation. You know, you see, you see a, a, a person who cuts gemstones, a gem cutter, right? They take what has innate value and then they, with a, through abrasion, polish that up to create facets that reflect light. Do you know what's interesting is that this stone has felt pressure <laughs> its whole existence and has been pushed and prodded and moved and all of this sort of stuff. But only in the hands of the gem cutter does it begin to reflect light in that magnificent way and you know what people we we have experienced suffering in our life difficulty and challenge and you know that's true of everyone but for the believer it's not wasted for the believer, it's not purposeless. For the believer, that suffering and that abrasion and that challenge is actually used by God, by the master craftsman himself to shape us and sharpen us so that we can experience a new facet of who he is. A new facet of who he is. I might get Grace to come up with, if that's okay. I'd really appreciate that. You know, one of the things... Um, you know, walking with God and even doing what I do in our college and, you know, through our New Christians and New People era of churches, I get to walk with a lot of people who are new to faith. And one of the things that you do realise is um, that when someone has an encounter with Jesus, it's real, it's done. It's, you can see in their eyes. <laughs> you can try and explain Jesus to someone and, you, and like Paul did, you using all the words that you have, you know, you know, to explain and to introduce Jesus to someone. But when someone comes to their own faith, It's like, boom, the lights come on. They see him for who he truly is. They realise that God is good, that God loves them, and that through Jesus they have peace with God and access to him, right? But then what happens generally is as life goes on, uh, you know, things that are difficult come along. Anyone ever felt anything difficult come along? Or a disappointment comes along? Or something that is not desirable comes along? And this is the moment where where we, we are so grateful that God gives us his Holy Spirit. Because what is the Holy Spirit's role in the life of a believer? It is to help us endure, to choose to trust Jesus. And as we lean into the Holy Spirit, as we choose to trust Him, that disappointment, that discouragement, that thing that was trying to ruin us, all of a sudden is used for God's purposes. And He starts to reveal Himself. (laughs) And over time, as we endure with the Holy Spirit, in trusting Jesus, we see Him as faithful. And when this scripture talks about perseverance leading to character, that, that, that idea of character that it's talking about is a formation, an internal formation of an assurance and a strength in the faithfulness of God. An alignment internally with the truth of God. And what happens is as we get uh, go through life, we face more and more difficulties. But the more difficulties that we face and endure with the Holy Spirit, the more we see God's faithfulness. And the greater we know Him, the greater we can see Him. And the truth is, that those with the deepest knowledge of God tend to be those who have walked through the most with Him. And He is so good, because even the most difficult circumstances, by His presence, by the fact that, you, that He is with you and you are with Him. Transform it into something that makes you who He's called you to be. Your character is developed. And guess what? You begin to know Jesus more and more intimately, more and more intimately. And do you know what's beautiful about that? The more you know Jesus, the better you're able to introduce Him. Yeah. You now, I, I Milani and I, my wife and I have been married 10 years. We know each other so well by now that I could talk for hours about Milani. And it wouldn't be surface level stuff. It would be the things that matter. It would be about, you know, who she is and what the the passions and the purposes and the gifts that God's given her and the things that she desires. And I, I could talk to you about her forever. And the more you discover Jesus, the more you've seen Him be faithful in your life, the more comfort you've felt through your grief, the more times that you've seen Him come through on the other side of difficulty, the more you know Him and the more you're able to communicate Him and share Him with the world around you. And like Paul, the Gospel becomes so much more than a simple paragraph or a set of steps or a formula to be followed. It becomes a person that you know that you are desperate to introduce to the people around you. And you you know Him so well that you meet with a person and you know them and you, you see Jesus and you see them and you think, let me help you to see Him as I see Him. And you introduce someone to Him. Maybe one of the greatest steps of evangelism of becoming a great evangelist that you could ever make is to just know Him deeply because when you know Him you're able to share Him every experience in life for a believer is an opportunity to know Him more and so maybe you know, in the year ahead there will be some difficulty there will be some challenge, maybe even some suffering things that come along that, is, that are not desirable and you have a choice And you have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you make this choice. And the choice is to, through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, to endure, to hold on to Jesus, to continue to believe and have faith. And do you know what? It's not always easy, but through it, you'll learn more about Him. You'll learn more about yourself. Through that perseverance, your character will be developed. And that character that is developed within you leads to hope. And just, you know, in a moment, I think we've got enough time. Maybe we could sing that song again, Weathered. That song's beautiful for this. It it just helps. Maybe the band can come up. We're going to sing this song in a a moment, but I just want to sort of land this message in this place of hope. (laughs) You know, we actually probably have a different understanding of this idea of hope than what, you know, is shared when Paul writes throughout his his writings, this word hope. See, we see hope sometimes as like a wish. (laughs) I hope that'll work. There's a, there's a sense of uncertainty attached to the word hope. That's not the case for Paul. When he talks about hope, uh, you know, it's 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 seen for him as like this happy, uh, you know, joyful expectation. A a a. It's, it's not this lack of um. Where's the word here I just said it a moment ago? Yep, yeah, so good. Uncertainty. There you go. It's not uncertainty. It's this happy certainty that He has. <laughs> so come back with me for a second here. Hope. This hope that does not put you to shame. This hope that does not disappoint. This hope that we have because we have seen God's faithfulness through the difficulties in our life. Because we have seen Him be faithful in this time, I have a hope that He will be faithful in the next. And it is this expectation of the goodness of God. If you want to know what favor is, favor is the presence of God. And guess what? When you leave this room this morning, guess who goes with you? God Himself. Verse 5 here, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out. <laughs> I love the idea of being poured out as well. Not sprinkled, you know, not, not, not given a small bottle of water or a cup of water. It is poured out. The love of God is poured out out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The greatest gift of God is His presence. The favour of God is His presence. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be with you and will live in you. And when you leave this room, the Holy Spirit goes with you and will transform even those things that will try to harm you and use them for your good. No matter what this year may bring, God will use it. Can I just ask everyone just to stand up for a moment? And I really just feel we just need to reset our hope. <laughs> reset our hope on the faithfulness of God. Our hope is not on our, a change of our circumstances. Our hope is not on material possessions. Our hope is on the faithfulness of of God. Our hope is not a wish. It's not uncertain. Our hope is the certainty that God is good, that he will take all things and use them to benefit me. And that no matter what I go through, I do not go through it alone, but I go through it standing in my home of grace with God himself transforming the circumstances to build me into who He's called me to be. So come on right now, why don't we just close our eyes. Lord, we just thank You so much for Your presence. We thank You, God, that we didn't come here to hear from a person. We came here to meet with our God. We came here to be encouraged and to discover You in an even more beautiful way, God. And I pray that this morning that we would see You and feel You and experience You in our life. I pray, God, that we would experience Your presence. And that Your presence would go with us into the week ahead. And we choose right now to just become aware that You are here, to acknowledge the gift of the Holy Spirit and to worship You with all our heart. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.